Blog Talk Radio. For the next hour, we will talking. We will be talking. I'm sorry. Wings lacrosse, the going on in the NLL, along with the playoffs, some playoff scenarios. Who's locked up playoff berths? Who's on the verge of locking off playoff berths? And who may be on the outside looking in? Um, my one guest tonight will be Wings defenseman Brett Manny. Um, hopefully, he can call in uh, tonight. He has a whole lot of stuff on his plate right now. Um, he's coaching one of his teams, had a game at 4 o'clock. So I know that game should be getting over very shortly. Then we were in touch earlier today, and I know he has some kind of a meeting at around 6.15 to 6, you know, around 6.15 or 6.30. So hopefully he may be calling in the next few, few minutes. If he can't, that's, you know, that's how it goes. You know, these guys have you know, outside lives, businesses that they work for or run, uh, teams that they coach, so you know that's why we're always grateful when Brett can call in or any of the other players on the wings or players from the NLL can can call in. Now, let's just get right down to it. The Wings had a great chance last weekend of clinching a playoff berth. Um, with two wins last weekend, that's just what would have happened. Unfortunately. It turned around on the other end. We lost both games. We now sit at five and seven, uh, tied with the same exact record as the Minnesota Swarm, and only about a half game lead over the Colorado Mammoth and over the Buffalo Bandits. Uh, the only bright side to that part is that we hold the tiebreaker over the Bandits. So if that last playoff spot comes down to it, we get the the tiebreaker over, over Buffalo. Um, Friday night's game was a complete, um, I guess you might want to say mess. Might be a good way of um, of, of putting it. Uh, the Wings were beaten on every possible aspect of in the game by a count of twenty to eleven. Um, it just from from the start, um, another slow first quarter start by the Wings, falling behind three to one. But then, after the game got to a four-one count um, early in the second quarter, the Wings turned around and scored four of the next five to go into the half, tied at five apiece. This with backup goalie Angus Steinle and Alex Fortier, who. We just signed about 24 hours prior to the game, would be serving as the backup. Agnes played good in, the, in that first half, but when that second half started, it just seemed like everything that could go wrong went wrong in, that, in this game. Minnesota went out and put up a sixth spot in the third quarter, and we only notched in two goals. So at that point in time, you're looking at an 11-7 game. Still, so very 
you know, possible to come back on that. It's only only four goals. Okay, so you're looking at eleven to seven. Thinking no problem, Wings could you know come back, you know, and do this. Well, needless to say, um, in the first four minutes, from the 120 mark to the 357 mark, the Minnesota Swarm pumped in three goals to go up four, 14 to seven. Now it's starting to get a little bit further away. Kevin Crowley comes back, puts one in, brings it to 14 to eight. But now we're alternating goals. You got 14-8, 15-8, 15-9. And after that point, Minnesota just put two more in eight seconds apart at 9:51 and 9:59 to make it 17 to 17 to nine. And that was basically it. 17 to nine with with five minutes to go is basically in, insurmountable. Um, the Wings were able to score another goal and then. Minnesota put in three more after that just to put it away. Um, the only, I guess, good thing on the Minnesota side, um, when you look at the score of 20, um, they have a charity that, that runs it. Get, they donate five tickets for every goal. So there was 100 tickets donated as Minnesota pumped in 20. Um, but the game just got completely away. Um, it was one that I know the Wings just want to forget. Um, the Wings outshot out Minnesota, 54 to 51. Power play, they were four for seven. Minnesota was only two for four. It just the shots were not were not falling. They were not going in the way they're supposed to. Once it seems like that once this Wings team falls behind, they're taking, I guess you could say, unnecessary shots. From how you're, you know, you're viewing it from the stands or in the game, they're not, pre- you know, pressing to go inside. They're not trying, you know, not getting that many, you know, inside shots. Now, don't take anything away from their goaltender Evan Kirk. He played phenomenal. He didn't give any kind of opening to any of the Wings players coming across the crease. Um, I know on multiple times Paul Rabel tried to go dive, you know, do a crease dive. Evan Kirk didn't leave him anything to to get at, to get the ball in. Not a thing. So, you know, Minnesota played it, you know, just right. Evan Kirk covered every part of that net that, you know, could have been left open. Um, also, to Minnesota's credit, they used their youth and their speed. The speed that they have up there on that front line on the offense against our bigger defensemen. You have a player that stands around 5'10", 5'11 at the most, and only goes maybe 170, 180, even maybe less than that, and he's got some speed, he's going to get by the defenders unless that defender is very quick or he plays the right position. The defenders were getting up on top of these guys, basically trying to smother them in a way, and the Minnesota forwards, Shane Jackson, Kyle Matisse, were just using their speed to go around them, and sometimes it looked like they weren't even weren't even on the Minnesota players with the ball. Um, so I mean, it just you know, completely got out of hand on Friday night. Um, and you know, this was a game that would have drawn the Wings closer to, to clinching a, a playoff spot. You know, for this year's playoffs. Now, with that game behind them, 
they go and travel to Colorado. But in this in this game, just to give you an idea of how balanced this it, it was for Minnesota, Ryan Benesh had two goals and three assists. Jordan McIntosh, four goals. Kyle Matisse, two goals and five assists. Josh Gillum, one goal, five assists. Callum Crawford, four goals and four assists. And, yeah, and, and for the wings, you had um, Drew Westervelt had three goals in the game. Kevin Ross had a goal and five assists, and Kevin Crowley came in with three goals and two assists to lead the wings there. Um, so you had you had the scoring, you know, going you know all, all around around the clock. Um, right now, you know, I'm going to take a short two-minute break. Um, I just got a message um, from Minnesota goaltender Evan Kirk. I wanted to have him on the show to talk about his goalie mask. If you haven't seen it on IL Indoor, um, it's a tribute to Chris Sanderson. I wanted to get him on here to talk about that and possibly even talk about last week's game against Philadelphia and the upcoming one. So I'm going to apologize real quick for this quick two-minute break. Um, if Brett Manny comes on during that time, I'll come right on back because I know he's going to be – going to be fresh for time. So just sit tight, and I'll be right back in just over two minutes. The Lacrosse Radio Network. Listen to NCAA, CLAX, NALL, and MILA game broadcast at the Lacrosse Radio Network, the home of Lacrosse Audio. Panic in transition, shoots and scores! The only place where you can follow NCAA Division Three, the Canadian Lacrosse League, North American Lacrosse, Quebec Senior Lacrosse League, and Midwest Lacrosse Association. Shot score, Mendez. A side angle shot, and Tony Mendez breaks the ice. Also, the home to unique lacrosse programming that you just can't get anywhere else. Listen every day at inlaxwetrust.com or blogtalkradio.com slash lacrosse radio or blogtalkradio.com slash laxradio. Block on the way in, goalie out, score! Another goal for the Mustang. The Lacrosse Radio Network. This is Patrick Crosby, goaltender for the Kentucky Stick Horses. You're listening to the Cross Radio Network. The best radio, not on radio. RadioExiles.com. Radio gone underground from parts unknown. I'm not receiving a detectable frequency. Radio Exiles. The best collection of professional podcasters. 100% FCC free. RadioExiles.com. You think you've seen pro lacrosse coverage? Then you haven't seen Inlax We Trust, the home of lacrosse on the web. Comprehensive coverage of the NLL, MLL, NCAA, NALL, CLAX, MILA, and more on the SB Nation Network. 15 seconds to go, driving down the right wing, draws it up to you, over his head, basket on the open, he scores! Salisbury takes an 11-10 lead with 11.7 seconds to go. Check out InlaxWeTrust.com. This is Nick Rose of the Toronto Rock, and you're listening to the Lacrosse Radio Network. Lacrosse and pro wrestling? 
They come together every Thursday at noon with Strong Island Lax Chat with Taz. Many sports fans look at the announcers as a prop or a talking head. Taz, the former pro wrestler, takes time every week to talk about the game from a fan's perspective with a Long Island spin. You know, most announcers I know in my business of pro wrestling or buddies of mine that have that work for ESPN that are commentators and whatnot are highly competitive type A personalities. Every Thursday at noon on the Lacrosse Radio Network. Okay, and we are back. I thank you for sticking around. Um, I just had to send Evan Kirk the, the phone number to call in um, to be a guest on, on, on the show so that's why you can call in. Um, I asked him to call in at around 6.30, which should be in about 15 minutes or so. Um, so I'm just waiting for his reply back. But let's get back to the other the other game that the Wings had was against the Colorado Mammoth. Once again, slow start. Somewhat of a slow start by the Wings. They came out after, you know, after playing the night before and getting beat the way they did. Um, actually scored three goals in that in that first quarter, and that tied with the Colorado Mammoth at three apiece. Shots were fairly close in the first quarter, thir- thirteen to eleven. Nothing wrong there at all. Um, the Mammoth opened up with a 3 nothing lead. Three goals right off the bat in the first five minutes. So we're thinking, okay, the altitude, they're tired the way they got beat the night before. We're go- it's going to be another long night. Well, no sooner said than done. Kevin Crowley puts one in at 6.43. Mike McClellan pops one in at 11.20. Then 29 seconds left, uh, 29 seconds later, Brendan Mundorf, with his second game back, pops a goal in, ties the game up at three as we went into the second quarter. In that second quarter, it was another huge downfall. First, we were outscored 6-2 to two the night before in the second quarter. Saturday night against Colorado, 7-1. to one. That put us down ten to four going into the half. Um, the seven goals that Colorado rattled off um, the game. The game was as close as five four. They got it with they got to five three after popping two goals in at two oh seven and three oh six to make it five three Colorado. John Grant Jr. and Joey Caputo each each putting one in for the Mammoth. Then 24 seconds later, Kevin Crowley came out, drew it within 5-4. That was as close as the Wings would get at this time. Colorado then went on a five-goal run at 436, 9.02, 10.05, 11.34, and then a backbreaker at 14.57 with three seconds to go in the half. So they go into the into the half, up 10-4. And, you know, myself and I know, you know, other wing fans are now worried. Um, In the last four quarters, going back to the Minnesota game, the wings were outscored 25, I believe it was like 25-11 or 25-7, 
something outrageous. Like that was only scoring four goals. Not, I'm sorry, I'm going to stand corrected. Twenty-five to nine in the last four quarters. The last two quarters in Minnesota and the first two in Colorado, they were outscored twenty-five to nine. So something had to be done, and what was done is Brandon Miller put up a brick wall. He put up a brick wall in that third and fourth quarter. Did not allow one single goal in that second half. So he kept them scoreless for 30 minutes, allowing the Wings to start their comeback, which they started doing in that sec- in that third quarter. Kevin Ross put putting one in, 437, cutting the lead in half at 10-5. Kevin Crowley picking up another goal in the power play at 9-15. Then at 12-20, Kevin Crowley again putting another goal in, to bring the score to 10-7, only down by three going into the last quarter. Now, I know myself and probably some other people are saying, okay, they're fighting back, they're fighting back. Can they do it or are they going to fall flat again because of being tired from playing the night before and the way that game went? Fourth quarter starts. Go halfway through, nothing. Just we're hitting posts, hitting crossbars. We're getting chances. Colorado is getting ch- chances. Brandon Miller standing tall. Ty Bellinger is also standing tall for the Mammoth. At 8:06, Kevin Buchanan finally puts one in, brings it to 10 to 8. You got just under seven minutes to go in the game to get two more goals. That's all you need. Two more goals. Get them one at a time, and you would have no problem. At the 14:02 mark, with an extra attacker, Drew Westerville puts one in, makes it 10 to 9. 58 seconds left. For those that watched it, we saw what happened. Picked up the ball, we got some shots. We just couldn't put it by Bellinger. Um, yes, I'm sorry, Ty Bellinger could not put it. By, could not put it by him. Um, Colorado picked up the rebound with about, I'd say, six seconds left. Uh, there was a loose ball in the corner. They picked it up. They called a timeout. And then when they reset the play, they were just able to run the last six seconds off the clock. Um, again, that win there would have really been a big help as far as the playoff push because then that would have limited the number of wins that Colorado would have been able to get. And, you know, the wins would only need – one more victory to clinch that playoff spot. But Colorado comes out on top, 10-9 victory, another close game, just like they've, they've always been with with Colorado. Now, leading the way for the Mammoth, Jordan McBride, four goals, two assists, uh, Adam Jones with two and two, and Junior with two goals and three assists. For the Wings, Yes, we only scored nine goals. Four of them were by Kevin Crowley. Here are our other goal scorers. Brendan Mundorf, a goal and an assist. Mike McClellan, a goal and an assist. Drew Resserville with one goal and two assists. Kevin Buchanan with a goal. And Kevin Ross, one goal and four assists. If teams continue to keep 
Drew Westervelt, um, Kevin Ross, Kevin Buchanan, Jordan Hall, basically off the scoreboard, not getting those goals. They're basically saying to the Wings, look, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to have Kevin Crowley, or if not Kevin Crowley, just Drew Westervelt beat us. And that's what they're doing. They're fine. They're saying, fine, we'll let Crowley score four, five, or six goals. But we're not going to let Drew, Jordan Hall, Kevin Ross, Kevin Buchanan, Paul Rabel, we're not going to get let them get multiple game, goal games. We might let a couple of them get a goal, and that's it. And that's just what they're doing. They're keying in on the other guys. You know, the other guy scores, okay, fine. But it just seems like they're not allowing the team to do what they want to do. And this is this is what's happening. Now we sit at five and seven. We are now in third place behind the Rochester Nighthawks, who we now have to play this weekend. Saturday night, up in Rochester, the Blue Cross Arena. Game time there for those that are going up to Rochester, or even if, you know, obviously people in Rochester would know the time. The time is at 6 p.m. It will be on the CBS Sports Network, this game. So tune in and watch it. It won't be online. It will be on the CBS Sports Network. So there won't be no messed up feeds coming through for us, like it's, like what's been happening lately. This game is going to be very, very important as, you know, one, it's for second place. Two, you're looking at a tiebreaker scenario. Um, both teams are at one-on-one. They each won a game against each other. Rochester won here, 20-10, to 10, and we won there in Rochester uh, a few weeks ago. So right now, here's how the standings look in the East. Toronto, which is already clinched, is sitting at 9-5. and five. The Rochester Nighthawks are at 5-6. and six. Philadelphia Wings are at 5-7, and seven, and then Buffalo is at 5-8. and eight. So obviously, a win by Rochester puts them at 6-6, six and six, puts us at 5-8, and eight. A full game, full game and a half, actually, it will be behind the Rochester Nighthawks. Plus, they're going to own the tiebreaker. So that's going to hurt us in a big way. Um, but the thing is, both Rochester and Philadelphia, along with Minnesota this week, have back-to-back games this weekend. Minnesota, before they come into town, will play at home against the Buffalo Bandits. So this game is very big for the Bandits to win. Um, one advantage for the Wings is that they don't have that far to travel from Rochester back home for Sunday. For Minnesota, their game will be starting later, East, East Coast time, compared to the Wings game. So the Wings will have basically be done their game before Minnesota even gets started. So they could be home if they fly right out after the game and probably get home before halftime of the you know, Minnesota game. They could touch down in, at the airport before you know, halftime at, with Minnesota and Buffalo. So the Wings will be able to get a good bit of rest. Minnesota's going to have to travel and deal with the time change. Is that Can that be an advantage? 
mentally, yes. Uh, physically, yeah, you could say that because you're you're losing a couple hours. You're jumping from the central time zone to the east time zone, so you're losing an hour, and that could you know could very well affect you. Um, but yeah, you know, as we heard before, these guys are professionals. They know, they have to know how to to deal with this, and that's what's you know going to have to happen. Um, and you look over in the west. Calgary Roughnecks and the Edmonton Rush are both tied at eight and five for first place. Uh, the Washington Stealth are at seven and six, Minnesota five and seven, and Colorado is five and eight. The Washington Stealth and the Calgary Roughnecks play each other this weekend again. Last time they'll face each other in the regular season this year. Uh, that game's basically going to be a tie. You know, it's a tiebreaker situation there as well, and it can also put Washington in a tie for first place. Uh, I'll, a Washington win, and they're in the playoffs. That's what you have this weekend. Uh, also, if I believe the Toronto Rock is playing, I think they they may also have um, two games this two games coming up this weekend. I'm not real sure. Let me want to look and see because I know their the way their playoff scenario is going. They actually have a chance to clinch the overall um, best record. No, they they only have one game. But when they play this weekend, they have a chance to draw very, very close to doing that. One more, they already locked up a home game. Another win by Toronto, and it locks up home field during the Western, the Eastern Conference playoffs by the Toronto Rock. So, you know, the games are going to, you know, really coming down to everything right now um, as far as playoff scenarios, who's going to be, you know, where, who's going to take the division, who's going to be out on the outside looking in. Um, I said it in the beginning of the year, the last two games of the year, are two teams are playing against each other the last two times. Colorado and Minnesota, they play back-to-back games. April 13th. And April 20th, they play against each other. I think that last playoff spot is probably going to come down between those two teams and possibly Buffalo, because Buffalo is also has the same record as as the Mammoth. But remember, remember now, Buffalo is traveling to Minnesota this weekend. So a win by Buffalo will put them up at 6-8. and eight. It'll drop... Minnesota to five and eight, so it'll move Buffalo up ahead of Minnesota, and then depending on what Minnesota does against Philadelphia Wings this weekend, their last two games of the season are basically going to be like a playoff game because they will be battling the Colorado Mammoth possibly for that spot. On the flip side of that, should the Wings lose both games this weekend? Or you know maybe even you know if they split they're going to you know, it's going to be a little bit better because they'll be they'll be ahead of the of the Rochester Nighthawks and we'll also have the tiebreaker. That means we would have the tiebreaker over Buffalo and and Rochester with Toronto coming in next weekend on the 13th. So that could also be you know a good sign there. We could get that tiebreaker as well. But a win over Rochester on Saturday night will be very, very big. 
because like I said, it'll move us to six and seven. It'll drop Rochester to five and seven. It'll give us a tiebreaker over them as well. And for Rochester, they will be playing their last four games all on the road. And they're not easy games. They're not going to be easy games for them. Um, I believe they have Calgary one week, Edmonton another. Uh, I mean, they just have a very tough schedule um, winding down you know, the 2013 season. So that's why you're going to have a whole lot of you know, flip-flopping up and back. But right now, I want to get to my guest right now. I am very honored to have this man on here. Um, when he was drafted in the NLL, he started playing. And just what he's done lately um, with his goalie mask, I'm going to have him talk about that, how why he came up with this to do this and about this goalie union. Right now, everybody, I want to give you Minnesota – um, swim goaltender Evan Kirk. Evan, thank you so much for calling in. Hey, no problem. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. It's good that I uh, I tweeted it, and you know, just before your show to get on here. Yeah, I mean, I I was you know I, I usually have you know Brett Manny would usually call and he has a segment on here, and with the Philadelphia Wings having their jersey auction this weekend for um, Chris Anderson and his family, um, a retro throwback jersey night, it got me thinking about your goalie mask, which I saw you had done in the beginning of the season. And I was like, this is very fitting. You have this mask that's done, and we're having the retro night, and it's all going around Chris Anderson. Um, what, I mean, and I know you have other things on, on the other side of the mask, but what made you do – I know Chris had an impact on basically everybody who came up in, in the game of lacrosse, whether you were a goalie or whether he was your coach – or you knew him just just as a friend in some way, whether he was an opponent or anything. He he had an effect on everybody. Um, That's for sure. Yeah. What what brought you to do the the tribute that you did on on that helmet? Um, I, I mean, it's you know, as a, as a goalie, you always search for you know cool ideas, and you know, B. Miller in Philadelphia has some um, really cool masks, and uh, has some pretty cool masks in the past. Um, I mean, you know, I'm always looking for that thing, and to, to put on my mask and I was searching for ideas. And I mean, Chris had passed, um, you know, pretty close to where I kind of came up with the idea to do it. Um, he, he grew up in my, uh, in my town, um, his younger brother, Dustin and my brother are best friends. Um, he was pretty, pretty close to me growing up. I never really, you know, knew him personally because of the age difference for, for a, a matter of years when I was younger, but, um, I mean, he was his camp was one of the first camps I ever went to. I always watched him when I was growing up, and he was really influential. And uh, I mean, I just he gave so much back to the game. I thought it would kind of be a tribute to him because I know as a, as a parent with the, someone who's passed away, they always want their their son to be remembered or their daughter. And I thought it was a good thing to keep that uh, keep that going. Now you're auctioning that off. Um, I noticed that that was you put that up there today. Um, and you know, give give the information out for that. Um, I was just going to go to the highest bidder, and they'll obviously get that mask at at the end of the year. Yep. So, what if you want to you know you want to put the site out there where it is and what you know what people need to do? Um, it's on. It just came up uh, today. I've been working on it for a while and just trying to you know figure out uh, all the logistics about it. But it, it's on um, auctionsmnswarm.com uh, and it's on my uh, Twitter. Um, that's Evan Kirk 35. 
Um, it's at, I think it's posted at 500 and the buy it now is $4,000. Um, wow. you know, it only, it only has a couple, uh, you know, a couple weeks. I think it's going to be done at the end of season on, I think the 24th of, uh, April, but I mean, like not only does the mask cost a lot, the mask actually was about $2,000 to, to have done, um, by Kyle Gannis. He's from, uh, Branson, Ontario. He's a phenomenal artist. He also does, uh, Cosmos helmet for Buffalo. Um, and it's, it's the money it's going to go to Kyle Miller. Um, obviously you guys know, uh, about Kyle Miller fighting his mm-hmm. cancer. Um, and I think, I mean, it's, it's tough because it's a, you know, a, a short, uh, short amount of time to, to figure that out, but it's going to go to the highest bidder and that money is going to go directly, uh, to Kyle Miller. Yeah. I saved a picture of, of the helmet. I'm just, I'm just looking, or I should say the mask actually. And I'm just looking at the side that has, you know, everything with Chris Anderson on there. The detail of it is just phenomenal um there's you know towards the back part where you know the ear where your ears would be um yep. it's the body you know the body of chris anderson wearing the team canada jersey and you know the helmet and then right above what would be his right shoulder is like you know his face through yeah. the, the yellow of you know for the minnesota swarm with his name you know un- underneath it and i see like going through where the team canada jersey is it says in memory of chris I mean, it's just the detail, like you said, the detail on it is just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it's epic. A lot of people have, uh, like, you know, seen it who's known Chris. And, I mean, the first person I showed was his mom. I stopped in at her, uh, she was working at a coffee shop, and I stopped in and showed her, and she said it's, you know, a spitting image of of Chris. I mean, I can't imagine how hard it would be to actually put that detail in there and actually get it close to what it was. And, um you know, his mom sent me a bunch of pictures and a bunch of him growing up and playing, and I picked that that Team Canada picture. I know it's it's not an indoor picture, um, it's his field across picture, but it's just such an inspiring picture because it's you know it's him when he'd won the championship, and it's it's him in his moment of uh, glory. And another picture is him when he's um, in a suit, and uh, I think it's one of his pictures for um, one of his schools that he was coaching at. And uh, I mean, I think they're just you know, really, really touching pictures. And it, it, it's wild. Like I, as soon as I got it, um, I literally looked at it for hours. Just like, just not only the fact that it was, it was similar to him, just the artwork behind it is, is wild. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's, you can almost say it's, it's lifelike when you look at oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I got to know Chris, you know, from being obviously a Wings fan, going to the practices, seeing him, talking to him after the games. And he was always, you know, there with a smile on his face, no matter how bad the game may have been, um, always willing to stop, talk the game all across, pictures, you know, what have you. You know, you know, I mean, you know, everything you guys do at the end of the game. You know, your enemies at the end, but when, when you come up, okay, your friends, we're all one big lacrosse family, as I like to say. You know, yeah. always, you know, accessible, willing to, you know, have a little conversation, pose for a picture, what, you know, what have you. Um you know, like I said, I've seen Chris through the practices, standing behind the bench wearing his red suit, and you know he was always, you know, there. You know, everybody yeah, always saw sure. Chris, and you know, it was just really heartbreaking when, you know, everything that he went through and what happened. Um, me personally, I run the fan club with with my wife, and I had an idea right after when he passed. I made, I don't know if you you've seen it on Island or. Um, memorial pins for Chris. Yep, I'm actually my uh, my dad bought a few actually. He yeah. did. Yep. 
Maybe that was the order I got for four pins. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, my dad asked me if I wanted a pin. He uh, he showed me, and I said, of course, I'd, I'd wear one. You said Brampton? Okay. Uh, last name Prescott? <laughs> no, 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 it's oh, okay. Kirk. <laughs> oh, okay. No, but oh. I think I think he did a while ago, yeah. Really? Or he will. Oh, he's, yeah. okay, yeah, probably will, yeah, because I haven't gotten anything anything else. That's the only mail order. I, I only had one mail order so far, um, oh, and okay. I know um, Doug, um, Doug got in touch with me from the NLL office that Jamie Darwick wants to order a bunch of pins, you know, as well, but... What I wanted to ask you, when you when you guys are coming to town, obviously you have a game the night before. Um, yep. Are you are you on that what they like to call the Ontario flight that you have to leave immediately after the game? Uh, no, I actually uh, a couple of weeks ago I moved I moved back to Minnesota, so I'm living living in Minnesota. Okay, so, so I, w- I won't be on that Ontario flight. Okay, so you you'll be able you'll be sticking around after the game. Yeah, I I at, think so. I think it. I think we have a little more time in Philly than uh, than those guys do. Than the Ontario people. Okay, great. Because I know yeah. we have, an, like I said, the Jersey auction, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be over there taking pictures for the website and you know, things like that. But I want to get you know to talk to you, you know, face to face. I, you know, your dad won't have to worry about the pins. I, I'll give you a couple of those pins. Yep. So you won't okay. you won't have to worry about that because I, like I said, awesome. you, you you've seen them. I have the the Canadian Leaf with his number and his wings number with it, and it's all in a, in a goalie. Head to stick. Yeah, head to well, stick I think board. I think it was the the same logo that we wore for uh, the duel in Denver on our on our helmets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had those on the back of our helmets when we were in Denver. Yeah, so I mean, uh, one of my friends put my idea on the paper, and then his friend put the you know everything into the pin that you see, the mold and and everything. And I'm just you know so glad that you know they came out the way they did. Um, yeah, I showed him I showed him the brogan. I sent her a picture. Um, I got pins held off the side, obviously, for her. Um, so I'm hoping she comes to one of the last couple home games of the regular season so I can give them to her. Or I'll just have to somehow get her address or get a way to, to get them to her, for her yep. and her daughters and the rest of the family. Um, but real quick, I just want to ask you, what th- this year with your team, mm-hmm. you pick up four rookies, four yep. picks in that first round. Um, obviously, Shane Jackson's not really playing like a rookie, and neither is – um, I'm hoping I'm saying his name right, Kyle Matisse. Yep. It, it is it is pronounced Kyle, correct? Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. Because the way it's easily, spelled, easily it's, mistakeable, it's, but yeah. Yeah, I figured I figured it was Kyle because I, I went by by Jumbo when he was announcing it because I was calling him Keel for a while because that's the way it, it looks. Yeah, most but, people do. Yeah, but you, well, we all know Jumbo when he announces the games, he makes sure he has the players' names correct. Yep. So Absolutely. the way that both of them have been playing. And you add in um, Alex Krepnicek and then Brock Sorensen. That's mm-hmm. just, I mean, all four of these guys have just, I mean, in a lot of people's eyes, really exceeded, you could say, right now, the, the way they've been playing. Yep. I mean, I, I mean, I think they've, you know, they haven't, they didn't come straight out of junior A. They, you know, they've been in, you know, uh, big name programs, you know, like Ohio State and, in RMU and they've had, they've had some serious time in uh, the MSL, like, you know, just like myself, I had some time in MSL and um, playing at Hobart, even though it was field and box is a little different, but it gives you that mentality and playing in front of a lot of people. And, and I mean, I think they saw a lot of what happened last year with, you know, nine rookies getting in the, in the lineup and us making, you know, some, some uh, statements in the league last year. And I think they kind of realized that, you know, like 
you know, even though you're a rookie, you know, you're picked for a reason. And if you know our owner that he doesn't expect you to come in and just do a couple things because you're young, he expects you to do the world when, you know, when, when you're in there. And I mean, it's, you're expected to do that here. And I, I mean, it's, it's been proven in the, in the past year or so. So I think they, they kind of knew that, but, but I mean, they're, you know, they're so important to our team. They're, like you said, they're not playing like rookies or, they're playing exceptionally well, and it's it's good to see for sure. Now, Andrew Suter started the season, I believe it was a two-game suspension. He comes back, plays a handful of games, then he goes down with that knee injury. I know that had to almost like take the air out of the team because it seemed like everything started to pick up really great. You know, you, you have your captain back, you have Andrew Suter, who is the epitome of, of, of a lacrosse player. Plays hard, plays clean. He does what you know what needs to be done, and you know obviously very well respected throughout the league. Yep. He goes he goes down, and like I said, that had to take the wind out of the sails for a bit because you went on. I believe it was like a three game losing streak at the time, mm-hmm. but then it looked like something just clicked, and now you're starting to get on that that little bit of a roll that everybody likes to talk about just before the playoffs are coming around. And yeah, you know, when the team starts getting on that roll and gets a little bit on a hot streak, that's the team you got to look out for. Yeah, I mean uh, that, that's definitely definitely true for for saying that people getting on a roll. I mean Edmonton and Rochester and you know ourselves even last year got on a roll at the right time. But um, I mean losing Suter, it, it kind of wasn't what people saw from from the outside. It's what he does uh, like in the locker room and just for what he does for the team when he's around here in Minnesota and. You know he's that he's that guy that everyone wants to see. You know when when you're in the locker room, but um, you know he was a phenomenal player. He does it all. He can you know he can obviously fight. He scores goals. He plays great defense. He's a, he's an all around player. But uh, you know I I think we kind of realized that you know he wasn't going to come back for the season, and you know we got to kind of just you know pick up our coattails and and realize that he's not coming back and that he would want us to do do well. And it, it was tough kind of figuring who was going to, you know, fill that void. But I don't think uh, it worked in the couple, the first couple games back where, you know, one or two guys would step up. We realized that it's it's a team ordeal and, and we're kind of getting back on that page where we're all all chipping in, not thinking of ourselves. And, you know, sometimes Suter could do it by himself because when he was in, we had three wins. And when he was out, we had two losses. So that says a lot. But, I mean, I think we're just realizing that we got to, you know, everyone's got to pitch in the things that they do well and, and uh, you know, come together as a team. Now, you know, every, everybody you know talks about the game of lacrosse, indoor lacrosse. Oh, it's not like the Big Four. It's not like the NBA, the NHL, you know, Major League Baseball, the NFL. It's you know nothing like that. And I mean, you see, somebody goes down from another team in those sports, the fans are are as excited as can be. Oh, next time we're going to face him, he's not going to be playing or you know anything like that. The moment that Andrew went down. The Twitter feed started going, hoping everything was okay with him, from everybody across, you know, the sport of lacrosse, from Philly all the way through Washington, hoping everything was okay, nothing was wrong. Then when they found out it was the MCL and the ACL, the support that was just through the social media nowadays that came through for him, people just started following him, just wishing him, you know, all the best. It's just like this, this is a sport like none other. Like I, you know, said to you earlier, 
yes, we're enemies on the field. We're going to boo you and everything. But when the game's over, hey, we're, we're all one big family, and you hate to see a player such as Andrew Suter go down the way he did with how much of an impact, like you said, that he has not only on the field but, but in the locker room as well with everybody. And just the outgoing of support for him was just unreal. Yeah, it was. I mean, I mean, for speaking of Twitter, I think he tweets at almost everyone in the league. And, you know, he's played on a bunch of teams. I mean, he's been out west. He's played in the east. He, you know, he's such a, a well-known player that everyone kind of knows him. And like you said, everyone, it's a small-knit community. And, um, you know, they care about him because I think he, he puts that uh, that care in to begin with. And, um, you know, he's always tweeting at people when they're hurt and, and all that sort of stuff. And he's always there to talk to people after games and, like I said, like I could probably name everyone on, you know, someone on every team in the league that I've played with or, you know, grown up with back home or even guys here. Like I grew up playing with them and um, back home in like Kitchener and Orangeville. And, you know, even when you get traded through junior or, you know, MSL teams, it's such, you just know everyone and everyone knows, almost everyone knows everyone's personal business because it's, it's like a group of friends. And like you said, everyone was, uh, you know, sad to see that happen because it was such a, such a severe injury but I mean it's all over Twitter just because I think he he puts a lot in and you know I think you get you get back what you put in now one last thing with the way this season has been going all year with all the teams you got five teams right now all with five wins all fighting for basically you could say the last four playoff spots because Washington is basically a game away from 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 getting it from getting getting um put into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's just so much competition between everything. You now have two games back-to-back this weekend. You have Buffalo at home on Saturday night. Then you travel here to Philly for a Sunday afternoon game. But yeah. I, know you don't, I know you don't look all the way ahead, but, I mean, did, I, mean I don't think you could have written a storybook ending any better. The last two games you have are against the Colorado Mammoth which the way the season has been going with everybody, that could decide the final playoff spot for not just, say, you, possibly you and Colorado, but could also decide it for Philadelphia or Rochester and or Buffalo. Because yeah. everybody could possibly still have the same, almost the same record. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy right now. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought this was going to happen, that's for sure. And, I mean, it's, you know – Teams go on streaks, and it's like that in the game. You know, there's always there's there's highs in the game, and there's lows in the game. It's just like the season. You know, you just gotta gotta make the playoffs. But it's it's a battle right now. I don't know if it's gonna come down to this weekend or the next, but you know, almost every weekend is like you know you're biting your nails because if one team wins and one team loses, you know, it, it kind of puts them. It, it's almost not who wins. It's you know who's gonna take more losses because you know teams are uh, you know have more ga- more games for. You know, they've played a couple more than other teams. Like Toronto is almost three ahead, I think. But it, it's crazy to see, crazy to see that. But I mean, I think every weekend is 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 edgy just because of you know how how open the league is. It's you know it's not the the best team just cleans up now. It's any any team for sure by far can win on any given night. Whoever works harder, whoever's there. You know, you look at some of the road records. Edmonton went seven and one this year on the road. Uh, mm-hmm. Toronto right now is five and two on the road, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so much. You know, teams are some teams are struggling at home. Some, you know, some aren't, and everything is just so much in in a logjam. I mean, Toronto could have clinched the East last week if they would have picked up 
two wins. They picked yep. up one. So now they're one game out of clinching Eastern Division. But now, on the other hand, if they win two more games and Edmonton loses or whatever, I mean, who knows who's going to get the home field throughout? You could have it going through Edmonton this year with the way mm-hmm. they've been playing. Calgary's starting to get get on a little bit of a roll. I mean, it's just it's so much of, of a roller coaster right now. Mm. This this is the type of season I think that the league, the league as a whole kind of needed, even though like you know our like you know, you're at, you're at five and seven, the Wings are at five and seven. Both our you know Minnesota fans and Philly fans would rather see it at seven and five or you know eight and three or you know whatever you know better than what it is now, but just the excitement that is going on throughout the entire league this year. It's mm-hmm. you know, a ride that I, I don't want to see it end, but it's going to come to an end sooner or later, but it's one heck of a ride. Yeah, that's for sure. It's It's been crazy this year. A lot of people have asked me, you know, like, your, or my stats aren't the same. I know I've, you know I've had a tough tough time this year, but I'm looking at the scores, and all the scores are, I mean, the majority of them are, are so high. Like, last game we had, was it 31 goals in a game? It's it, it's it's wild how how intense the games are, and you know, there's so much action, and you know, there's so many people getting a, lot, a ton of points, and it, like you said, it's, it's a roller coaster. It's it's all it's all nutty, but it but it's been good. It's I think it's uh, like you said, it's it's good for the league. Now, what do you think, real quick, about with the next year? We're going to 18 games. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have two more games on the schedule. Another one, in your case, home at the Hive, where it's very loud in there. And yeah, you know, now what what are the players you know, think about it? What what's their perspective? I mean you know, the commissioner put it out to the fans, survey through and he said, Okay, fine, we're gonna do an eighteen game schedule. Made the fans happy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I mean I think the it's it's the same around the league. Everyone likes it, you know, we'd we'd rather play more games than less games, so I think if if it was possible we we'd play play year round, but I think the more more games we get the happier they are that we are that's you know that's why you're going for for playoffs not only to win the, the cup just to play more games as as a team and you know stay around with those guys because i'm sure every one of the guys on on every team likes likes being with their team so i think it's it's something i look forward to forward to to uh play more games for sure evan again i want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule um i know and the other fans out there know they're listening know that you guys have lives outside of the game of lacrosse so I, I truly appreciate you taking the time out, coming on to the show, talking some across with me uh, about you know the tribute to Chris Anderson that's that's on your mask, uh, the auction that's going on for it, uh, just how the team's going, how you know Andrew Suter is doing, and just you know letting everybody know what what's going on. Again, I thank you very very much. I want to wish you and the rest of the swarm all the best the rest of the year, um, except for this coming Sunday. <laughs> Um, hopefully I'll get to, to talk to you on Sunday af- after the game at the post-game party. Um, if not, I wish you all the best of luck the rest of the year. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. We'll uh, we'll be in touch this weekend. Okay, Evan, thank you again. Okay, thanks. Okay. That was Minnesota goaltender Evan Kirk. Again, I want to thank him completely. I mean, that was like at the last minute again. Um, I, I just put it out there when he put it up, um, auction, I believe you said it's auction.mnswarm. If you go to the Minnesota Swarm website, I'm pretty sure the link is up there. It'll it'll send you over to it. Um, and you go to, or if you go into ilindoor.com, you type in um, Evan Kirk, 
I'm pretty sure that that article will come up with his his goalie mask um, on there. But the detail of that is just phenomenal. But I was really, really excited that he was able to send me a tweet back and said that, yes, he has the time, he can call in, and, you know, we could talk about the mask and, you know, whatever else we wanted to talk about. So I truly appreciate it. Uh, it was an honor to talk to him, um, like I said, about the Chris Anderson mask and, you know, what Chris has meant to him along with other, you know, goaltenders coming up and how that, you know, the goalie union is, so to speak. Now, with that being said, um, this weekend, Philadelphia Wings are in action twice. First game is against the Rochester Nighthawks, 6 p.m. Saturday night. That game will be on the CBS network. So we won't have any bad Internet feeds or anything like that. We'll actually be able to watch it on a TV if you have the cable network or your dish or what have, whatever your provider may be. As long as they have that channel, you'll be able to watch it. Then on Sunday at 4 p.m., Evan Kirk, who was just on the show, and the rest of the Minnesota Swarm will come east to play the Philadelphia Wings. Now, Minnesota plays the night before against the Buffalo Bandits. That game's at 8 o'clock our time. So it'll be 7 o'clock Central. So by the time they get through the first quarter, the Wings may be just about done their game. By the time yeah, they're done. So the Wings will already start rehydrating themselves, I'm not sure if they're going to fly back out that night or if they're going to wait till the next morning to fly like they did the last time. It's better than taking a bus. But at 4 o'clock is face-off against the Minnesota Swarm on Sunday. Get your tickets. Call 215-389-WING. That's 215-389-9464. Also, at the end of the game, the throwback jerseys will be auctioned off. Um, go to wingslax, wingslax.com. It'll have all the information about the jerseys, where the money is going towards. Um, on the right sleeve, I believe it is, um, the jerseys have black on the top on the shoulders, silver on the rest of the jersey, and a white W. So it's a throwback to, I believe, I want to say the early 1990s, maybe the very, very late 1980s, probably maybe... 8990 era somewhere in there. Um, so it's black shoulders, gray body, white W for for the jersey. And on the right sleeve, it's going to have um what Evan was talking about, um, a sticker that was on the Team Canada helmets this past year. It's going to have the number 17 which is Chris's Team Canada number and it's going to have the BSC for Brogan, Stevie, and Clementine, for his wife and his two kids. So that will be on the jersey. So those will be getting auctioned off at the Cure Insurance Club immediately after the game on Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock. They'll have a silent auction to start where with the you, know, you can just bid on it to start out up to, I believe, it's halftime or the third quarter, and that's where the auction will start at those prices, whatever the highest bid is at that point. So one jersey could be 300, one could be 500. The last auction that the Wings had for the Wounded Warrior Project, um, just to give you an idea, they had two jerseys for Kevin Crowley and two for Brett Manning. The game-worn jersey for Kevin Crowley went for, I believe, 700 and the non-game-worn went for 500 So it was very reasonable for those. 
Not sure if people kind of went low on those in preparation for these jerseys. I know Kevin, one of Kevin's jerseys last year that were auctioned off went for well over a thousand dollars. So, you know, it could either be very reasonable or very not reasonable, depending on how, how you look at it. Um, I'm hoping. I don't know if they are or not. I'm hoping to have a Chris Anderson jersey. That would be fantastic. They had a Dallas Elliott one for the Wounded Warrior, but I would really like to see a Chris Anderson one in in these throwbacks. That would be absolutely fantastic. I think that could bring in some major money um, for the charity that this is going towards. Now, unfortunately, Brett was unable to call in. Um, the game had to have run late. Hopefully his, his team came up victorious. Um, I know he had a... Um, a business meeting somewhere around 6.15 to 6.30. So he may have been pressed for time, and knowing Brett the way I do, I know he just didn't want to, say, like just pop on for two seconds and then leave right away. Um, so I'm pretty sure next week um, Brett can call in. He'll have time. There will be plenty to talk about. Um, but like I said, this weekend is very big for, for all the teams. you got five teams all within a game of each other. There's going to be four playoff spots left because, as I mentioned, Washington's only a game out of making a playoff spot. So basically you can sit, pencil them in. So you're going to have Toronto, Calgary, Edmonton, and Washington are all going to have clinched playoff spots. You're going to have four teams, four spots left for five teams. And all five of these teams are either five and six. They range from five and six to five and eight in the standings. The Minnesota Swarm played twice this weekend. The Philadelphia Wings played twice this weekend, and and the Rochester Nighthawks are playing twice this weekend. So there's going to be some, there should be some separation this weekend. There should be a little, it should start to clear out where you can basically tell who's who's in, who's out, you know what what's going to happen. But this is indoor lacrosse. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, for all we know, it could still be the same way that it is right now. Um, if everybody, like, just say as an example, if everybody splits their games, who has two games this weekend, if a certain team loses, a certain team wins, you still may be sitting at the same spot with these five, with these five teams fighting for four spots, saying, okay, now we're down to two weeks left in the season, and it's still not any clearer. That's what makes this sport very excitable. And like I said earlier, it's been one hell of a ride. The league is loving it because there's so much competition, it's just drawing the fans in. Um, as I spoke to Evan, it's difficult for, say, the Wing fans and the Minnesota fans to say, yeah, this has been great because we're sitting at 5-7. and seven. Rochester's at 5-6. and six. Buffalo, 5-8. and eight. So they're like saying, oh, yeah, real exciting. We're at 5-8, and eight and you know, but look at how close it is. Edmonton, franchise best, seven and one on the road this year. Yeah, they got their last three games at home. Rochester's last home game is this Saturday against the Wings, and then their next four are on the road. It's it's just one heck of a game. Uh, wherever you may live, if you live close by a National Lacrosse League arena, get out, watch, go to the game, enjoy the game of lacrosse, meet the players. You'll see what I've been talking about: how approachable they are, how nice they are, and how much time they give you. I want to thank everybody for listening. 
I want everybody to tune in on Saturday at noontime where I will be doing the NLL preview show. I will go over what games happen on Friday, if there's any games on Friday night, preview the games on Saturday, and also on Sunday. And then I'll be back next week, same time on the same station. So everybody have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week.